can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ, the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. I have something that we need to discuss immediately that has really thrown my life into turmoil. My favorite foundation has been discontinued. Why? I don't know. Can someone tell me why it's been discontinued? Because honestly, it's so popular. It's the YSL Touche All-in-One Glow Foundation. It is the bomb.com. And the fact that it has been discontinued, like someone from YSL Beauty needs to contact me and give me a valid reason as to why (gasps) this would be discontinued. But in saying that, I did have a very, very kind follower and listener of the podcast who replied to my Instagram stories and sent me a full tube of my shade. Yes, because it was sold out on site and she, she'd she used it like once and she was like, here, have it. I know you love it. Oh, that is so lovely. Yeah, it just really restored my faith in humanity and I thought that's just the kindest thing someone's ever done for me. Still cut at YSL, but... Anyway, you do have an email for someone at YSL. Why don't you, why don't you send them I an do. email? I do. I'm just going to I'll send them an angry rant <laughs> and see what they come back with. Can you end it with rant over kind regards Joanna Fleming? Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. so passive yeah. aggressive. Yes. Yeah. Or please oh. listen to this except of the podcast. Don't you love don't you love a kind regards? Oh. Yeah, love a kind regards. Where's his regards? That's when you yeah. know that's when you know you're in deep <laughs> Um, um, but you actually wanted to address speaking something. Speaking of listeners, yes, yeah, I, I do want to address um, a recent review that we got on the book. We mm. we mostly get just very lovely listeners who mm. want to be friends, and a very very occasionally we'll get some rogue review. And this one actually said. This is a beauty podcast, not a personal diary. <laughs> Keep it professional, please. <laughs> that reminds me of that quote in Bridesmaids. Matthew, can you put that quote in here? Where... Is this about the diary again? What diary? Your diary proved very interesting to read. You read my you read my journal? At first, I did not know that it was your diary. I thought it was a very sad handwritten book. (laughs) So I just wanted to ask this listener, I doubt she's still listening, but anyway, I I just want to say like what gave us away, like in terms of not being professional, like lasering our Mm -hmm. anuses, shaving my face with a man's razor, Joe talks about diarrhea all the time. Sorry. The dirty water colony. (laughs) Sorry that upset you. (laughs) My first UTI after having sex getting period stains on my jeans, the belly button gunk. Uh, now that you say it all together, I do see where she's coming from. I actually think we're highly professional podcasters. I agree. But really, I actually do have a, I do have a bone to pick. I actually have a real problem with people saying be more professional. Um, I actually mm-hmm. see it in other podcasts as well where it says like, ladies, please be professional or whatever. Mm. I actually hate putting on this, And I used to work in a corporate environment and my pet hate was having to turn up to that job and pretend to be professional. Mm. And that's exactly why I work at Adore because like I just get to turn up and be my weirdest self, which is actually just my, that's just my normal self. And I hope that this podcast gives you all like permission to be 
weird and to talk about your weird bodily functions. 100%. Yes. And to be okay having diarrhea on a first date. Like I, that's why we're here. Own it. And also, (laughs) I don't think there is any definition of a beauty podcast and I don't think it should be this or shouldn't be this or should be professional. I just think beauty is whatever you make it. So anyway, that's my rant over. Rant over, kind regards. Yeah. Anyway, what is on today's episode? On today's episode, we have one of our good friends, Sophia. She's coming on to talk about breast redu- her breast reduction surgery. Um, so we have a nutritionist, gut health and skin specialist coming on to talk about all those topics <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, the products we didn't know we needed. Oh, and also that reviewer also said, um, it was a very long one-star review. I think she said it's, it's so cringe when they don't have products they didn't know they needed. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to, I wish I could respond and say, yeah, that that's what we do that on purpose. It's like adds to the content. <laughs> I mean, a bit of BTS also that people don't realize is that we actually work in full-time roles on top of doing the podcast. Yes. So often we rock up to these recordings and we're like in the middle of meetings for the full, uh, the whole day and don't have time to prepare so yeah, give us a break. Yeah, give us. We're doing the best. <laughs> give that, us a break. We're doing okay. the best that we can. Okay. So we just got onto this Zoom call, and our guest for today's cringy convo was telling us about the squatty potty, and we just thought, why don't we just start recording? The, today's cringy convo has nothing to do with pooing, but any way that we can turn it around and talk about poo, we will. Sophia, please. And with that. <laughs> I mean, there is no more perfect introduction for me than one starting with shit, to be honest. So uh, to all that do or do not have bowel issues or struggle going to the toilet, I just need to PSA that you desperately need a squatty potty, not to be mistaken with the little bin that sits next to your toilet, but in fact, the branded squatty potty. It's like a, I'd say reasonably aesthetically pleasing. You can get ghost, so clear or bamboo, whatever suits your bathroom. And it essentially just is like a little stool or booster that looks like it's for a kid, except it's shaped to cup the bottom of the toilet. And when you need to poo, you just push it out slightly and you sit your legs in front of you. So it puts your knees in a slightly upright angle from your hips and that motion releases the colon and enables you to have a a really smooth enjoyable bowel movement (laughs) (laughs) Um, this is a whole other cringy combo yeah save it for i mean save it for another podcast but god let's get squatty potty on a door beauty it would go nuts yes Yes. oh my god maybe squatty potty can sponsor us i don't need one obviously but so wait, wait, sorry, which one do you have? I have the ghost. Oh, yep. The, the, yeah, that looks nice. It is nice. How much is it? $220. Yeah, I, I just figured it was an investment, so. <laughs> it's an investment in your bowel. It is. That's how much I care. <laughs> anyway, enough of the poo chat. You're actually here because we're going to talk about something completely unrelated. Now, this is a topic that we're going to talk about from a personal perspective. So for anyone that is interested in having this done, please go and see a qualified plastic surgeon. But Sophia is going to talk through her experience with having a breast reduction. This has actually been highly requested. And because we're good friends, we thought we'd just bring you on. And you have a highlight as well on your Instagram, I believe, about the whole process. So if anyone does want to go Absolutely. and check it out, we'll put Sophia's handle in the episode notes. I actually 
made such an informative video that it's an IGTV, it goes for 15 minutes. And I, it's so informative that I actually rewatched it before this just to be like, yes, that, 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 is, that is what happened. So if you want every detail, there's an IGTV on my Instagram and I really cover every topic that could be related to a procedure like this. Yeah. So I wanted to start with, because uh, one of my best friends has had a breast reduction and I wanted to understand from your perspective what actually pushed you to have that surgery done? So for me, I've had big boobs since I was about 16. I kind of went from mozzie bite boobs when we were all kids to to an E. I felt like it was a really quick transition. I was wearing, like primary school, I was in an underwire. So I have wanted a reduction since I was 17. I actually was booked in for one when I was 17 and decided that things fluctuate and change so quickly that I'd give it a few more years. And it wasn't until I was 27 that I, it got to the stage where I felt I couldn't dress how I wanted to. Women with big boobs will really understand that. Exercise felt like such a too hard basket with the amount of sports bras and the way that my back and shoulders would seize and constantly be firm and tight around the neck and the shoulder from bras having to essentially like hoist up this weight. It was so taxing and it got to the stage that I hated being naked and I'm not someone that ever feels shame or hatred towards my body. So when this got to the stage where I was like, do you know what, I actually really want to do this for myself. And it's an expensive procedure. You have to really want it to justify that money, I think. But it, yeah, it got to the point where I was like, no, I really don't want to do this anymore. And this part of any cosmetic essentially even though I find this not to be cosmetic because it's a weight on your chest there are so many people's opinions and because I'm very curvy my boobs although big I was an f at the time were varying in proportion so I got a lot of no like you're gorgeous curvy don't lose your curves keep your boobs they're really sexy whatever but only you know what's right for you and I knew that it was definitely time for me and it is honestly the best thing I've done and what was the actual like process in terms of like how long were you in hospital for? How long were you under for? The recovery time? I went in, I was so excited. Richard, my surgeon, there's a lot of, it's pretty mathematical. Like he'll bring in a ruler, he'll draw all up on your boobs and there's like this position where you you see where your nipple will be and it's like way up on your chest <laughs> and you're like, what? Yeah. That was sheer, sheer <laughs> excitement. But the process essentially, once I was under, I think it took about three hours. So after you wake up and you've got a compression bra on and two drainage tubes at either end and everything just feels quite firm and the, the first thing you notice is obviously they look significantly smaller than they were but they're so perky because they're <laughs> so swollen. I was only in hospital for a night quite restrictive with how much you can move. So for anyone that doesn't know, when you have a breast reduction or a lift, there are two options. There's a lollipop scar, which is you can't dictate the shape as much and you don't have as much control. So it's much harder to get that really perky, rounded, braless look because all you're doing is cutting vertically up the breast and around the nipple. So when you sew that together, you're almost making the breast not a coney shape, but essentially, yes. Whereas I had an anchor scar and that's usually the scarring that people find the most confronting. So it's 
under the breast, straight under the fold, up and around the nipple. So actually the entire breast is opened up. And if you want like a kind of a visual of what I'm explaining that's in the IGTV that I was talking about, this is the method that you can have most control over the shape because so much skin can be taken. And the way that the breast is sewn back into the chest cavity gives a real perkiness. So when they're sewn back up, it's almost like you have the beautiful teardrop, but without any skin from the fold of the breast sitting on your chest. So the benefit in an anchor is complete control over shape. And in terms of the recovery, Mm. I'm really interested to know like when, at what point did you feel like, oh, I'm comfortable now. I've got no pain, no discomfort. They feel like my boobs again. Like, have you gotten to that point now? Now, I mean, it's been, it's been seven months. I had it done in May. So absolutely now, but it was really until the two week mark that I was driving again. And I was like, okay, I'm on the other side of this. Mm. And then how your breasts change over the next six weeks to two months is pretty remarkable because once when they sew them up when you've had an anchor scar, they're quite boxy. So you kind of have these like square little perky boobs and you just have to day by day look in the mirror and be like, these are going to change drastically. Don't get attached to how they look, don't love them, don't hate them. And months later they round out and soften out the bottom and you have that like classic beautiful perky breast shape. Mm-hmm. Is there, like I'm sure all surgeons have different costs involved, mm. is there like a, a pr- I know that's what people are going to want to know. Yeah. Is mm. there an approximate ballpark of like where it starts in terms of cost? Again, for those who are really interested in the breakdown of cost, that's in the IGTV. But honestly, from my research, I think you would not be spending less than 10 to 11. And mm-hmm. I've heard of other surgeons in Sydney and Melbourne charging 20 plus. Um, mm-hmm. And for the calibre of surgeon that I had in Richard Bloom, for the amount that I paid, which ended up being 10 to 11, um, I can't comprehend. I mean, we, we know what this industry is like. It's the name and it's it's the prestige and all of that stuff. But I wanted someone who boobs was like their bread and butter. Day, I wanted them to do them yeah. day in, day out because it's it's. I, don't, mm-hmm. I think they're the true artists of creating yeah. The best boob. Yeah. Love that. I haven't worked in surgery for five years, but when mm. I was, breast reductions were a popular procedure. Yeah. And 15 was the about the mark. Um, and yeah. then there mm-hmm. was the rebates that you could get as well through private health. So, But everyone will vary. And I think it's important, as you said, to find the right surgeon for you if you feel like it's a good fit and you feel really comfortable with them and they can produce the result that you're wanting from the surgery, then I think it's worth spending you know, the extra if if it's necessary, I suppose. Yeah, it only takes mm. hearing a few horror stories to know that you have to really invest financially but also in the research and finding the right person. A hundred percent. My best friend who had a breast reduction had a lot of complications post-surgery and the fact that she had a really experienced surgeon ensured that she was able to get on top of those complications really quickly. So yeah. again, this isn't like an ad. It's not an ad for plastic surgery no, or like no, breast no, reductions. No. We just really want to give people the information because it's been uh, something that's come through a lot as a request for us to cover. So we thought you'd be the best person to talk about it from your perspective. Totally. And when I was sharing this whole process, 
which I actually did because only because I wish that I had someone in a, I feel like all the YouTube reviews are women in the UK and America and it's just so different. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to share it because I would have loved to have that point of reference from someone that I knew, even if it was just through Instagram, Mm. the amount of messages I got from women truly shocked me. Yeah. But no one talks about reductions. Yeah. I'm not really sure why or lifts. Like it's so shameful Mm -hmm. to have saggy boobs. It's just like, it's, you know, gravity's a bitch. Like it's everyone's problem. (laughs) So I was really shocked at the amount of women that messaged me and the amount of women that were holding off because they were so scared of scarring. I thought that was really unfortunate. Mm. So I had quite a few messages being like, "What? Well, how will you deal with that when, you know, you take your top off in front of boys? I was like, I don't really give a shit. I'm doing, you have yeah. to do it for you. You have to do it for oh, you. Oh, 100%. Great point. Mm. And I have to say, even though I'm currently sitting at an E, so I still have very full I would say larger boobs, um, but I, minus any neck and back pain. And yeah. I was actually speaking to Richard, my surgeon, about this, and he was saying that breast implants don't generally develop neck and back pain because they hold themselves up. It's actually the weight ah. and the pull of a bra or anything like that. It's like it's not just the weight. It's actually yeah. the, st- the gravity of having to hold them up. Interesting, yeah. Mm. So I thought that was really interesting. So with the scarring, you mentioned that doesn't bother you at all, which is great. There will be people out there that are putting it off because of the scarring and they're concerned yeah. about, you know, what that's going to look like. Yeah. What advice do you have for them? Um, I was religious in what I was doing for my scars and that was Egyptian magic which adore mm-hmm. stock it's like the best multi-purpose all-rounder balm your boobs feel really tight and of course I got paranoid about stretch marks in that period of time but Egyptian magic is just so nourishing and very healing so I would rub that all over the boobs like as a surface and then stratoderm the orangier one which is available at chemist warehouse and pharmacies they have a great scar treatment and that's what I used every single day, morning and night. I, dre- I dressed my boobs twice a day. My scars are actually amazing. What's, what's unfortunate is that I have just under my nipple on either side on my vertical scar I have pigmentation, mm-hmm. which is I'm Greek and I have very olive skin and it's just luck really Yeah, because we all know that you can have pigmentation where there's trauma to the skin mm-hmm. and I ended up having pigmentation, which I've had laser on, but it's kind of, I'm at the point now where I don't even notice it and nor does my boyfriend. So mm. don't let the scars be the decider. If you've also got a good surgeon, the internal stitching and how you're stitched up is, you know, testament to how good they are as a surgeon. So thank you so much for joining us today to talk all things breast reductions. I hope this has been helpful for any audience members who've been thinking about having this procedure done. But as we mentioned, make sure you do your own research. Go and check out Sophia's IGTV as well, which has heaps of helpful information in it. And make sure you see a qualified plastic surgeon to get the right advice for your individual circumstances. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Thanks, Sophia. Thanks, guys. 
So our guest for today is a nutritionist, gut health, and skin specialist, a very good resume. Cheesa Westcar joins us today. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Joanna. Very happy to be here. So you're a dermal clinician and a qualified nutritionist, so you must have quite a holistic approach to treating skin concerns. Can you tell us how closely our gut and skin are actually linked? Absolutely. I have actually been a skin therapist since 1996, and it was the fact that I couldn't really find a solution when it came to treating inflammatory skin concerns that made me go on and do a master's degree in human nutrition. And I then did further study and did an advanced diploma in nutritional medicine. And that really was where all the pieces came together. Because what I found was that the gut is very, very closely linked to skin health. Um, So to give you a little bit of background as to why this link occurs, the gut is home to trillions of microbes made up of bacteria and fungus and yeast and what we call archaea. And they all inhabit a long tube that goes from our mouth all the way down to our back passage. And these microbes, these bacteria, fungus, viruses, yeast, they actually are very pH dependent. So they colonize parts of our gut depending on the pH of that particular area. The largest inhabitants of these microbes actually reside in the large colon and they are very much influenced by our diet. What we know is that if a diet is very healthy and full of a lot of fiber-based foods, then these microbes thrive and they thrive because they actually break down the fiber in these foods to produce what we call metabolites, also known as short-chain fatty acids. And these short-chain fatty acids have a very anti-inflammatory effect systemically, but they also provide energy for the cells that line the gut. When our diet is deficient in healthy foods, then guess what? A potentially disease-causing group of microbes actually become the dominant species and they drive disease and inflammation in the body. And the connection to the skin is that the cells that line the gut, also called enterocytes, they actually pull apart where a diet is very high in sugar or highly processed. And this process of these cells pulling apart is what we term leaky gut or gut permeability. And when the gut becomes leaky, what that means is that unscreened particles of food and bacteria and inflammatory molecules actually leave the gut, make their way through this little separation of these cells and into our bloodstream. And they then travel to distant parts of the body, including the skin. So we know that an inflamed skin whether it be rosacea or acne or psoriasis or eczema, are a direct mirror, if you like, of a gut that is inflamed. Mm, That's so interesting. It really is. The connection is inflamed gut equals inflamed skin. And um, sugar is something we're told can cause issues like breakouts. Can you expand a bit more on how sugar specifically affects our skin? Sure. So that really just piggybacks onto what I've just talked about. An inflammatory diet, which is a highly processed diet, we also refer to it as the Western diet, a diet that is basically based on fast food. They typically 
tend to be very high in sugar, high in sodium, high in inflammatory fats. Whenever we eat a diet that is high in sugar, what happens once we have consumed those foods is that our blood sugar levels increase. And when our blood sugar levels increase, that causes the pancreas to release a hormone called insulin. Insulin is our blood sugar regulating hormone. And what happens when insulin is ramped up to try and deal with this big sugar hit is that a corresponding growth factor is released. And this growth factor, known as insulin-like growth factor 1, is responsible for causing skin cell proliferation to increase with a sugary diet. It also causes sebum production to increase. So the connection between acne and diet is that when I, in, in clinical practice, have clients who come to see me with acne, I always, first and foremost, check their diet. And without fail, you will find dairy or highly processed sugary foods being regularly consumed. So once we take those out of the mix, it's quite amazing how quickly the skin calms down and settles. Mm. And um, sugar can also influence ageing as well, can't it, to some degree? Absolutely, it can. And the reason why it influences ageing is we actually refer to a diet that is highly processed as being one that promotes inflammation in the body. And we link inflammation to ageing. So there's actually a term for that. And we call it inflammaging. So inflammaging occurs where there is a lot of inflammation in the body. And we can always tie it down to lifestyle factors, diet, alcohol consumption, etc. That's very, very interesting. And you mentioned dairy, but gluten, I think, is also often talked about as a potential trigger for skin issues and not just acne, but other issues as well. Is that true that dairy and gluten also play a big part in exacerbating skin concerns? So we know that dairy, actually milk, when we think about milk, contains sugar. We talk about lactose. Lactose is sugar. When we talk about the effect of dairy on skin so where you have a patient or a client who is prone to acne and they consume a lot of milk that same description i gave where we notice that oil levels increase and we also notice that um, skin proliferation skin cell proliferation increases they are both linked to dairy consumption so gluten so with gluten there is an anecdotal and i'm calling it anecdotal because When you look in the literature, there is not really much evidence of gluten being associated with a condition like keratosis pilaris. But in people who do suffer with keratosis pilaris, which is the the bumpy, sort of dry, patchy areas that you get on the back of your arms, for example, or on the back of your thighs, when we look at the diet and we remove gluten, there does seem to be an improvement. But there does not seem to be anything in the literature to show a correlation between gluten and keratosis pilaris. But anecdotally, you will actually hear people say that when they changed their diet and removed gluten, there was an improvement in the condition. Mm. And in your own experience, has research into the gut and skin connection really increased over the last sort of 10 years? Because I think that's something I've noticed a lot in the industry is such a focus on diet linking to skin health? Absolutely. It is a good thing. And it's not even much before that, that there was really a universal interest in gut health. 
in our industry, I am finding that more and more therapists are actually going back to school. They're going back to studying nutrition. I have a lot of people who contact me wanting to know where I did my course. Um, I have people who, who actually contact me to say that they're studying nutrition because they want to understand a bit more that link between gut health and skin health. So yes, I think there is more evidence there is more research, there are um, documentaries, there is so much on gut health mm. now that I think it's almost become the norm to take a probiotic, for example, because people yeah. recognise that, you know, there is some benefit, they, they think, to taking a probiotic to improve gut health. Well, if you do want to find uh, Cheesa Westcar, you can just Google her name and she will definitely pop up on Instagram and, as you said, at All Saints Clinic in Sydney as well. I'm also at Dolce Vita Skin on the Central Coast. Amazing. Well, if anyone wants to pop in and see you for some advice, please track her down. She's a wealth of knowledge, as you can probably tell from this um, interview. Thank you so much for joining us today. All right. So my product I didn't know I needed for today, which genuinely shocks me because when I first smelt this fragrance, I thought this is really nice, but it's not the kind of perfume I normally wear. So my product I didn't know I needed today is the Giorgio Armani My Way Outer Parfum. So it's very floral and it's quite sweet. So it's got jasmine in it. I love jasmine. It's also got white musk and orange blossom too. So it is really floral and it is very feminine, I would say. And it's not the kind of fragrance I would normally go for. Like we've spoken about we really like hot man scents and woody fragrances. So this isn't something that I would like smell in a department store and then purchase. But I must say, I have worn it probably nearly every day since I got it. And it's really, like I've really warmed to it. I think I like the feminine notes in it. It hangs around for ages. So I even notice it in my hair and on my clothes after I've worn it all day. So it's really long lasting. But I think it's a really good date perfume. Mm. All right, so I got a bit of a story. This is a little bit of a cringy story for you. Yeah, my back knee has come back with like. Ooh, is it because of the heat up there? Hundred percent, the sweat and the yeah. heat. And anyway, my whole back was just like very bumpy. Then all of a sudden, I got the biggest, most painful blind pimple in the middle of my back, like lower back, just random. So the yeah. the upper back was all bumpy, but the lower back, I had this. It was enormous. It was really, really painful. And then I tried to squeeze it. And you can't really get the ones on your back. It's so frustrating. I had this blemish control, it's the Murad blemish control rapid relief spot treatment. I had it Mm. at home for emergencies. And to be honest with you, I haven't had a chance to use it because I haven't had any big pimples on my face. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm going to try this on this. Convinced it wouldn't work. Like absolutely convinced. Mm. I put it on at night. I woke up the next day and I couldn't find the pimple. Oh. I'm feeling on my back and I'm like, wh- where's it gone? Like, wow. It was like this disappearing act. And then today, so that was two days ago, it is completely gone. Wow. That is quite a review. It was quite incredible. I feel like we've spoken about this before. Have we already spoken about this before? Did you already have this as a PWD? No, no, because we've spoken about it. I think you're thinking in the office because everyone in the office has. Because I remember Al's husband used it, yeah, and he burned his face off. Yeah, I wouldn't (laughs) recommend like putting it on like a serum. Do not use more than once. I reckon it would get rid of a wart, honestly. It's that strong. (laughs) 
Exactly. So it's got 2% salicylic acid and it actually says that it reduces the size and redness within four hours. Mm. And I can confirm that it really does. It is it was just, it was amazing. I think I've said it before, but the reason that I don't talk a lot about spot treatments, even though heaps of people ask about them, is because I just don't trust people with them. But yeah. if it's on your back, you, yeah. you're going to forget about it. So you put it on once, you wake up the next day and it's done its job. But if it's on your face, it's just so tempting after four hours to be like, oh, it hasn't disappeared after four hours. I'm going to go and put it on eight more times. So I think what the best thing to do is if you had an event on and you woke up with like an enormous blind pimple on your face, Mm. you just put it, put on a dab once and then let it, that's what I did. Let it do its magic. Because if you continue to add it on, you're going to actually burn your skin and it Mm. start flaking. Like you just do it once and like watch the magic happen as I did. Yeah, I agree with that approach. But even um, maybe you could put one of those hydrocolloid patches over the top of it as well. Yes. I'm pretty sure that's what those blister patches are. Remember how I was going on about those blister patches? I'm pretty sure it's the same thing. So it's like the Band-Aid. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'll try that I mean, next like time. I'm not endorsing that, but like it's a commonly used material in wound healing. Mm. So I can't imagine it'll do much harm. Hannah, I thought that was a really professional episode. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Well done for maintaining your professionalism. What I will say, as much as we're laughing about it now, when I first saw it this morning, I my heart did drop. Like I, I don't, oh. I don't think people realize like when they write reviews like that. Like the person on the other end, like I do get like a bit anxious, and I'm like, oh, and I'm like, I can see one star, and I'm like, oh no, yeah. what's she gonna say about me? But I'm just. Yeah. I, then I was like, you know what? I'm just. We're just gonna laugh. Let's laugh about it. What I take from that review, Hannah, is that she is not the kind of person that would enjoy this podcast. I was going to say that um, I was having dinner in the Gold Coast just before I got home Mm. and I was having dinner on my own. I was stuck in the Gold Coast, long story. Mm -hmm. So I found like this really cheap, nice Japanese restaurant. I had had dinner there twice in a row on my own. I also went to the movies on my own too. Anyway, this girl girl came up to my um, table and she's like, oh my God, are you Hannah? And I was like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yes. And she was like, oh my God, I love BDIQ. Um, Oh, that's nice. And she actually asked me to come and join her for dinner. It was so, so nice. And I was like, oh, I just finished my dinner and we just chatted for 10 minutes about do you know what I loved that she said she goes I don't I'm not even into beauty (laughs) (laughs) she's in it for the dating stories isn't she I reckon she must love the unprofessionalism yes I think so (laughs) thanks everyone for joining us today don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends it helps other people to discover us and also we really want to know what you thought about this podcast so if you can leave us a review that would be much appreciated 